it's that time of year again. Halloween season. On Blood and Black Rum Podcast, we take this very seriously. So, we're going back to the basics with what we're calling Halloweenies 2. Movies that take place on or around Halloween. Your favorites like Hocus Pocus, Ernest Scared Stupid, Terrifier, and more. Tune in all September and October as we smash jack-o'-lanterns and Oktoberfest in equal fashion. Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from Coldsploitation.com, and I'm joined with my co-host Mark. How's it going? Doing well, Way We are, we got one week to spooky season ending, unfortunately. I hate that. I hate when Halloween is coming to a close. Um, and actually, to the point where on Halloween, trick-or-treat always feels a little bit melancholy to me, because I know that once it's over, it's over. <laughs> or that another year. So, this is the last episode of Halloweenies, unfortunately. Um, we've we've run our course here. We actually, I think that this may be the longest Halloween season that we've done as well, at nine episodes. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the longest one because normally you don't get that that many weeks in the September October season. So, but we got an extra this year. So, got, yeah, got an extra one, and it was a it was an October thirteenth one as well, Friday thirteenth, and we didn't do it. No, no, we didn't. We we didn't cover any Friday the thirteenth. We didn't. We didn't bother. You know what though? That's okay because we are. We will eventually run out of them, so we have to actually disperse them. That's what you think. Now that Blumhouse doesn't own the rights to Halloween. They got things they need to do. They're going to be in talks with New Line. Get us some fucking movies. Yeah, I mean... If they can follow up... Wait a second. With... What's that? So if if Miramax owns Halloween, so that means we're going to get our Jason and uh, Michael Myers crossover finally. Because I think New Line's owned by Miramax too. I don't know. The rights are so messed up with the Friday the 13th franchise. Who knows? Could be could could be anything. I don't know. Um, but yeah, we are for for Halloweenies today. We're we're ending our season with uh, another movie that technically doesn't take place on Halloween, even though that's what the Halloweenies series is supposed to be uh, about. Movies that take place on Halloween. This one does not. Um, but still, uh, it's it's close enough. Where we decided, you know what? Let's do it anyway. It it works. It's not uh, necessarily exactly a Halloween movie, but um, it's adjacent to it, and so I think that that is um, enough for us to get by with the, with calling it a Halloweenies episode. Uh, and this one, I think, as you had say has stated, and when you basically said, "Let fuck it, let's do it anyway." Um. Pull Bill O'Reilly. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's the the actual like the series itself, the uh, franchise of it is puts it squarely into the Halloween mindset. So you can get away with it, even if none of them technically take place on Halloween. Um, and so this this actually the franchise itself is near and dear to my heart because it is probably the first horror books that I started to read um, 
way back when, when I was like, probably, I don't even know, eight years old, nine. How, how old do you, how old are you when you start reading chapter books? I don't know, eight, nine, something like that. But I remember I was in, I want to say it was in Kmart. I want to say it was Kmart. And I was looking at the book section and I saw this paperback book calling to me, The Werewolf of Fever Swamp. The cover was just something that I loved. It, was, it reminded me of VHS covers from my dad's VHS store. And so that was really the reason why I decided that I wanted to get this book. So I brought it over to my mom and I was like, hey, mom, we should get this. And she's like, all right, yeah, looks good. We'll get you reading, I guess. So um, that's pretty much where it came from. And then all those uh, years later, no, not even years later, but maybe probably like months later, you and I, I think, started pulling those books into a bathtub. Mm-hmm. Um, where we, was it eight? I, I don't know. I can't, I don't know the exact age. I can't pinpoint. I think we were younger than that. So that's yeah, like, could have, could have been younger. Like, like first grade, so. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. That was a, a fun start to our friendship of basically just taking my whole big stack of Goosebumps books and throwing them into the bathtub. Your dad looks like still always bringing it up like, hey, remember, remember you put the, you yeah. put the box in the bathtub? Yeah, they love that. They're like, what were you guys doing? They're like, I don't know. We're fucking six years old. I don't know. Yeah. Who who knows the reasons why we wanted to bring them to the bathtub? We just did. Destroying them so we could buy more. <laughs> we need more Scholastic books. So at that time, were you a Goosebumps reader as well? Yes. You were? Oh, yeah. I vividly remember... You know, always every time we had a nice classic book figure, going and buying a new book or two. Uh, I had like probably like fifteen of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As I was going, I was say as I was going through like R.L. Stein's uh, bibliography from those days. There's a good deal of them. It's like I do remember that, and then some of them was like I don't remember fucking remember that. I don't remember Monster Blood 4. We got up that far? Yeah, I mean, after a while, they started to... I don't know. I, I fell off of it. But, like, when when these books came out, we were pretty much right in their heyday. So, like, The Werewolf of Fever Swamp came out in December 1993. Um, so, when I found it, I would I had to have been a little bit older it had to have been probably 95 maybe i'm gonna guess something 95 96 but regardless we were right there in the heyday of course we didn't start reading like the original books in like 1992 when it first started being published but we were right there and uh the show i say the tv show was coming out in 95 too so that was yeah yes and that was uh another big thing as well like because my dad um still had the the VHS store at that time and um we did get those in we got the first episodes of the goosebumps in on VHS tape as well we got um the haunted mask yep a uh, night and terror tower and, and one other one um i'm not sure why i'm drawing a blank on the oh um don't go in the basement um those were the 3 that came out on VHS and like like because at that time, too, you know, they were playing them on TV. And they were, I believe they were, like, Canadian uh, co-productions. Uh, so, they, for every reason, they released those three on VHS as, like, special releases. 
and I believe I still have them. Um, or my dad has them uh, at the house because I used to watch The Haunted Mask all the time. Oh, me too. The, you couldn't, like, uh, in October in the uh, mid-90s, you know, flip through the channels out. That'd be that absolutely. Um, did you ever get to, like, the Choose Your Own Adventure ones? Oh, yeah, yeah. I did read some of the Choose Your Own Adventures. I feel like when I started dropping back off, like, yeah, like you said, Monster Blood 4, definitely don't remember getting to that one. I think the the furthest I... Well, you know what, though? Some of these do look familiar, so maybe I did follow all the way through. Because, um, like, I do remember at the time when, like, um, the blob that ate everyone and... Curses of Camp Cold Lake. Yep, those ones were coming out, and I was kind of, like, falling off the Goosebumps bandwagon at that point. Um, I think I got up to Werewolf Skin. I do remember having that one as well. And at that point, I was kind of like, all right. Um, and I kind of moved on. I think I did read some of the other uh, ones in the series, the new series that came out after as well. And you kind of, you got to give R.L. Stein credit too, because this man pretty much devoted his entire writing career to just fucking ripping out new Goosebumps and uh, Fear Street books pretty much every month for like a good chunk of his life. <laughs> just fucking constantly writing them. It makes you wonder, though. really does. Makes like you wonder how, what? Like, how good could they have been? Hmm. Well, I think that's... I Like, like, like in my head, like... I mean, I, I know, like, for writing, it's different, but, like, there's so many authors that do do that. Like, they're just pumping out, like, you know, two books a year or whatever, and like Dean Koontz or something. And I know there's some ghostwriting involved and stuff, but Steven still, it's like, how? Like, you just sit there and you just, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think to some extent, R.L. Stein was pulling from some of the things that, of course, had inspired him throughout the, the years. Uh, a, lot, a lot of his books are based on pre-existing elements yeah and and then he just kind of uh goes through the motions of his books are all very very similar at times um they have a lot of uh the same uh beats in each one but you know the, the i think the biggest one of the biggest things that really stands out about the goosebumps is like he was he did know how to write to keep young adults reading and he did have a great cover artist in Tim Jacobus who would create these these excellent covers that would, you know, so make you want to yeah, make you want to get them and read them. And so I think that combination of the two uh, really appealed to people in the nineties when these were coming out. And it did generate a whole bunch of readers. So regardless of whether you want to say R.L. Stein's books are, you know, quote unquote good or not, good writing, uh, I do think they did their job in that they it in you know influence a lot of young kids to read more and maybe write more um and i think that's really it's, like at least i mean like they very well still you know i mean it's been a long like 25 years since they've read a goosebumps book they very well could be you know pretty you know good and engaging things i'm just saying like in my head it's like when you look at like his bi- bibliography it is like holy shit how like, like I can't, my mind can't process it. It's just like, you know. Yeah, I mean, honestly, R.L. Stein has written a plenitude of books, and um, 
I, I, I don't know. I, I give him credit for sticking with that. He At one point, he did try to uh, branch out into writing more adult books. I think there was one that came out. I think it was called like Superstitious or Superstition or something like that. That was marketed as R.L. Stein's adult book. Um, Superstitious is what it was. I remember my dad having it. I remember the cover. I remember, uh, yeah, it had like a cat face on it. And uh, I remember at one time trying to read it. My dad's like, no, 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 no. That's not that's not for you. That's not a kid's book. <laughs> uh, but I don't think he really did many other uh, books for adults um, to branch out. So, uh, whatever. Regardless, I, the man is still eighty something years old writing new Goosebumps books. So uh, it's awesome. impressive, impressive. And anyway, ultimately, what that leads us to is today's episode on Goosebumps from 2015, which was a new. Uh, excursion into um, R.L. Stein's book series, uh, kind of circumventing the TV show. So, how do you feel about? I don't know if you read a little bit on it. How do you feel about the missed opportunity of having in the mid '90s a George Romero comes movie? I think it would have been cool. Because he, he wrote a script. He wrote uh, a script uh, adapting Welcome to Dead House. It was rejected. Yeah, I mean, some of. Romero's best work is short stories, um, short short uh, moments that I, I think it could have been a good thing. I don't know how well he would have. I don't know, you know, in terms of being for kids, how that would have turned out. But uh, yeah, I think it would have been a cool idea. Um, what we got and what we ended up getting in the Goosebump series um, was, you know, kind of uh, you know, definitely watered down style kids show um it probably was not as um i don't know as spooky sometimes as uh, are you afraid of the dark could be at that time um at least in my opinion i don't know if Goosebump- the goosebump series ever got to that level um but it was still an interesting show uh and then i think that ended in like 98 is that am i right something like that uh, lasted four seasons. Yeah, I imagine from '95 to '98 and '99. And then I don't think we really got anything else after that until this this uh, movie in 2015. Um, we there, I mean, there were some other um, R.L. Stein related things that came out, um, but not a Goosebumps live action show. And so the 2015 movie um, kind of went back to basics and it said what if uh we actually took goosebumps as a book series and kind of made a cabin in the woods style movie for kids or for i guess for adults as well that might have grown up with the the books and the tv series um so i think that's what goosebumps is striving to be something like a cabin in the woods uh throwing everything at the the viewer that they remember from the goosebumps series and hoping that some of it sticks not only that, but you got Jack Black uh, here as well, uh, playing R.L. Stein, and a nice little tongue-in-cheek <laughs> meta element to it. And um, yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much the Goosebumps movie in a nutshell. So we, that's where what all led to it. Um, you'd never seen this one before, right? <clears throat> no, honestly, I don't know why I missed out on it. I know when it was coming out, I was interested. I'm like. Ooh, Goosebumps, Jack Black? This is going to be fun. And then I just never 
never got around to it. Never, never watched it. And then for me, I I actually saw I I believe I saw it at the drive-in. Um, it probably I was probably Goosebumps and then some other um like more adult horror movie that were playing together uh, during like the Halloween drive-in fest that they have. Um, that's what I think anyway. So I do I did see it at one point, uh, but it's been a while. It was it would have been in 2015 when I saw it last. So uh, it's been. And I didn't actually realize that it's been that long either. Almost, you know, we're it's it's been almost ten years. Yeah, I know it's been almost a decade since this movie came out. So I didn't realize that it's been that long since this movie has actually come out. Um, Time flies, I guess. All right, before we get into Goosebumps anymore, let's take a break and talk about the beer that we got on the show. We do have a nice little seasonal tie-in, at least in name for the Halloween festivities. And it's great, too, because uh, the beer that you picked out today is from a brewery that, and one of my birthday shout-outs from our Fiden's Mule, called me a sloop-drinking son of a bitch. And you said happy birthday. So to spoil it, we got another sloop! That's right. Sloop Brewing. Um, Hopewell Junction, New York. I'm a big sloop fan. I uh, tried... It was something in cans with fish kill. Uh, yeah, they're from Hopewell Junction, I believe. Uh, fish kill. This says brewed and canned by Sloop Brewing, Hopewell Junction, New York. Oh, oh <laughs> the website says East Fish Kill. They must be they have the same area, but come on! Uh, and together, so you know what? On that alone, I don't think I can trust another beer from them. That's right. We're done. This, uh, I mean, Sloop, I, do, I like Sloop. I think they do a pretty good job. Um, they make a lot of IPAs. We've had a lot on the show previously. Um, I do try to get as many new releases as uh, I can from them, but they do have a lot of new releases, honestly. Yeah, they're um, constantly cranking out diapers left and right. Yeah. And different uh, hot mix uh, varietals, too, which is, you know, kind of also something for us, because even though we're not, like, the biggest, like, you know, we drink this shit, but picking out some of the nuances of the hops just ain't for us. But it's nice for them to be like, hey, this is the juice bomb with Matuka and Citra. Hey, this is a juice bomb. With Watuka and Nelson. Hey, this is a juice bomb with Cetra and Nelson. You know, so he's like, yeah. and the, as you say always, the foam model guy is like, gotta get it. Yeah, that, that definitely does do that with the, all the top varietals. Well, with this one, I wanted to get it because the name is Liquid Sorcery. So it ties in with the Halloween season. Clearly, they did mean it to be a little bit of like a Halloween tie in because on the can, uh, they've got witches' hats and broomsticks. And uh, cauldrons and bats, so it does. It ties in with the Halloween season. They also make the um, no pumpkin, which is another one of those uh, uh, seasonal tie-ins to say, "Hey, we know seasonal. you like your pumpkin ales, but fuck that seasonal straight-up IPA, seasonal nightbar." Yeah. Um, and I don't think we actually have done no pumpkin on here, have we? No. I think I, I've I've had it, but I you don't you think buy it like once a year, but then we never have it. Yeah, so I don't think I I don't think I I don't think I've actually ever had it mm. myself. So yeah, I don't think we've had it on here. Um, but yeah, this one is um, this is a nice Nipa because it does have some hop varietal in it that I'm I'm not quite sure what it is. Doesn't list them, but it does have a nice unique flavor to it. It's giving off um very melony vibes. Um. Almost sort of like a cotton candy-ish flavor as well at times. Um, and it does have, you know, a distinctive flavor to it that I am enjoying quite a bit. Um, I, I think it's a, a really solid 
sniper from them. And um, I think that's really all you can ask for. Like, again, they always make really good, solid snipers. Sometimes those don't really do too much to get out of the hole that is uh, IPAs, where it's hard to discern the difference between them. But in this particular case for Liquid Sorcery, I do think that this one does enough where it's like, yeah, that's distinctive. That does have a unique flavor profile to it. Um, and I think the candy element to it, the cotton candy, kind of goes well with the, the Halloween season as well. Kind of leads you in there. So I enjoy this. I think it's, I think it's really good. But you? Thank you for uh, kind of putting a finger on, it, on like the taste profile. Uh, I do like it. Like again, we will always say when we do these sloop beers, there's never a bad one. It's more about is it different? Does do they do enough to differentiate from the rest of their quality night buzz? You know, again, they're always really good, but it's kind of like a brewer uh, at this point. Like a, it's like a brewer's you know IPA, and the fact that like, hey, can you discern what's different on this? And I think this one definitely does enough to stick out and give it a noticeable, you know, difference from the rest of their night buzz. Cotton candy is, you know, like a good way to put it. It's sugary, but not like an overly sugariness, and the flavor profile to it is kind of like a mild, excuse me, melon taste that you would get from like a, uh, kind of like cotton candy just like an overall sugary wateriness to it but not like you know it's not too watery uh what the hell honeydew is another thing i was kind of thinking of mm-hmm. just like a very mild you know fruitiness to it there is like an orange peel zestiness to it like you expect in a knife uh, but it does have like a nice little you know as you said candied you know melon to it and like honeydew it's like it's different enough like and this is a damn good night ball I like it a lot it's very crisp easy to drink I'd say if you see it try it definitely um I think it's interesting too because again like I said they're trying to tie in with the Halloween season but it has a very like bright pastel-y can to it that kind of puts it at odds with the, the Halloween season but still that's what they always do, though. I know. Every, yeah. It's great. On their website, they, with all the clouds that they got, they have a little biplane flying in the background. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I think they make really good uh, IPAs all the time. They're very consistent with what they do. And Liquid Sorcery is no different. It definitely is a very good NIPA. And I think that if you like that sort of style and you want something a little bit unique to it, um, this one is uh, one to pick up. Really interesting. You know, they have on their website signing up for an internship program. Oh. Yeah. Welcome to sign up. Quit my job and go down there. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's get into goosebumps. So, um, I guess the first thing I want to point out about goosebumps is that, uh, this movie has a lot of whimsy to it. Very, right away, right, probably in the credit sequence, you get smacked with an oboe and bassoon combination <laughs> in the soundtrack where you're like, oh, it's one of those movies. Um, so you're kind of already, with that sort of, that level of whimsy, 
you're kind of already um, starting off with the feeling that this is going to be something like it's definitely not going to be a mature movie right it's not going to be one that's marketed mainly to adults it's definitely still a kids young to young adult movie and here and there it kind of plays on the adult side of humor um but it's mostly a kids movie it doesn't i don't know if i would say it hits the disneyfication level but it's, it's close. close yeah it's pretty it's, it's really close. close yeah and it's it's it certainly is not one of the like now we have um there's another goosebumps tv series that just came out um it that is uh like a little bit more mature it it has it's it seems more like it's written for teens rather than for uh kids or you know probably like uh elementary school age children um but here this one even though it does have high schoolers as the main protagonists they're like what like 16 they're supposed to be i think something like that 15 16 um it still has the feeling that it's for younger children and i think that might be a one of the issues with the with the movie that i have right off the bat is that the the feeling that it is so written for younger children kind of takes away from the the element that it's supposed to be sort of nostalgic for uh older adults watching because i feel like people that are going to get the most out of the goosebumps franchise um are going to be ones that uh i think have read the books in the past and now they're watching you know as older adults watching this goosebumps movie to get that nostalgia factor and i think that the film has sort of a weird relationship with those types of people that would be watching it really wants to have kids as its main audience but then it wants to pull in those people that would be um coming from their childhood reading these books and it's i don't know that it really meets that requirement um to to um and get those older people pulled into the movie um i think it does in some aspects i can understand you know it not being completely 90 style goosebumps because again it's for a new essentially like for these kids you know the kids that grew up with it it's for their kids now mm-hmm. and you're trying to also make something that's nostalgic for you know that goes you know suits the kids taste but also you know will hook the parents in get them to remember have a good talk and kind of make it a family friendly you know where everyone can be pleased but the film as you said the film doesn't really succeed in that too much because it is a little bit too whimsical it's a little bit too much you know these are supposed to be like 17 year old kids and they're running around like it's the fourth grade like my name's Chip and I haven't hit puberty yet and oh there's a girl oh he got us Hey, who are you? Who? Stop! Things are happening in a whimsy way. Whimsy. There's a billion things that happen in this movie. It's like you should have been dead. Should have been dead. Been dead. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I thought like, 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 literally, like Jack. And also, too. Sorry, but like Jack Black being in here is like enough. Was it like almost enough though to kind of soothe it? Because he does a great job. But I mean, it, as you were saying though, it, it definitely is totally 
struggles because it does the humor it's very much <clears throat> like earnest you know it's very much slapstick goofy and you know is very hit or miss in parts I think that the the yeah the humor itself it doesn't really know what it wants to be and so it kind of like it actually like a good uh a good comparison is when uh Amy Ryan's character who's um uh the kid's mother Dylan Minette his character's mother um his name is Zach in the movie uh when she's being the vice principal and doing the whole like uh first day of school thing and they ask her to do a speech and she's like oh I hope you kids are excited for the dance I know we can't stop twerking about it and like that joke right there kind of sets you up and that's early on in the movie it kind of sets you up for like oh this is going to be the humor not I mean in that scenario she's supposed to be sounding lame but at the same time that's kind of the level of the jokes at times in Goosebumps they don't really hit there's a couple that do there's a couple that I thought were you know pretty funny but for the most part they don't really hit that much and uh, I think one of the like though I think Jack Black does a good job as R.L. Stein uh, for the most part I wish that they would have let him run a little bit more wild because they he doesn't he's a really good actor for children um, you know School of Rock is a great example of him being a good um, actor for children yeah, yeah of, a, of a great uh, the, of a great movie that can be for children but also has that level of comedy that you you know can watch as an adult and still enjoy um whereas in goosebumps he doesn't really get much of a chance to showcase that element you know of course at first he's supposed to be like the spooky guy next door supposed to be like could be a serial killer next i don't know he could be abusing his daughter next door um and then later on he gets to kind of come out and do a little bit more of the funny business but i don't think that they let him go that far um to the point where you know, it seems like he's a little bit underutilized, even though he does do a good job at what he's being asked to do. Um, I think, like what you said too about the film presenting a lot of things that are like really dangerous, where you're like, hmm, they should, they were, they would have been dead, they would have been killed. Um, there, there's a like theme park that no one talks about when uh, Hannah just shows up and constantly flicking the lights on. No one's be like. Who's the asshole who turned the lights on the theme park that would stop funding? I know. Ah, like, what's going on here? It's hilarious, like, um, that they, they turn on all the lights in the theme park and someone's not looking at the uh, the electric meter going, like, why is this thing fucking running? You. Three-time multiplier on this thing, you know? What, thing? what is Matt Madison, Delaware is the deadest town ever. Like, all, what all, these things are, all these things are happening. The kid's being beaten in front of, like, the lit window. No one cares. So, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just that's listen. That's how we do things down here. And you know, Joe Biden and Aubrey Plaza stay. We you know, sell business ourselves. You know. Uh, the then, other funny know. thing too about it is like you know, yeah. Even so, this is this does have the Hollywood high school sort of thing where it's like, yeah, this is a dead end town. No, and then let's go to Delaware. The fucking high school is is a fucking college campus. Yeah. 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 Uh, but, but they, these these people need to go to like our high school. It's like, oh, I hate these dead end towns. It's like, yeah, there's like 50 kids in your graduating class. <laughs> that's that's where you're supposed to be, not in fucking the school from She's All That. Uh, the, some of the dangerous things that I did find funny that you know I was surprised that they actually uh, showed in a kids movie like this is like like you said when they go to the um, theme park, this abandoned theme park, and. They climb up on a fucking Ferris wheel that's been abandoned 
this rusting and heavy, basically from the Last of Us, like vines <laughs> creeping all over it. Um, I, in fact, I think I heard Joel yell, Elliot, Elliot, Elliot. <laughs> and like they go up this, they climb up it into the, and just sit there, like staring out at the the horizon. And you can tell it's good. good. Again, again, these are seventeen year old kids, and they just sit there and like they're at a Christian, uh, you know, like a Hallmark movie. You like macaroni and cheese? I like macaroni and cheese. Oh, me too. That's a great <laughs> a great reference because a lot of times the writing on, on this movie does really feel like it's a Hallmark movie. There's a great moment at the beginning of the movie where it's clear that Zach has lost his father. And he's watching, you know, like he like he's watching his, a, his nineteen ninety-eight camcorder. You know, and 1080p though, you know, video. Instead of uploading it to his computer or anything, he's still got it saved on his memory card in the camcorder, so he can flip, you know, flip, take it out and flip the side, you know, the screen and be like, "Here's Dad teaching me how to throw a curveball, throwing, throwing ball, playing in the yard." And then, uh, so in the how? Wait, so how's Dad dead? Doesn't matter. No one knows. No, no one, one knows. No one knows. It's it's that you know that sentimental. Um, kids movie where it's like I don't know he just slipped away you know <laughs> one time he's just there and then he's gone or or you know a lot, a lot of them use it just like the generic like car accident too you know they don't even do they don't even do that they just like yeah he spent that for yeah you know uh, with the car accident thing too like they I find it funny because like movies like this don't really take into consideration it like car accidents are probably most of the time pretty grisly <laughs> like well, like yeah I held your dad's hand as he let out and said I don't want to die I don't want to die and with I, his with his one his right leg ripped off yeah that jaw you know yes car says quite grisly uh yet no you know it wasn't just a quick passing he got thrown from the car jaw <laughs> ripped off as he's skidded face first on in fragment. In fact, he slammed into a telephone pole too and ricocheted off, and that's why they found him in the field. Yeah, you know, fifty feet from the car. Yeah, they don't they don't go into that in this movie. It's just dad dad died. I don't know, but what I like about it too is um it has that issue where so they find a picture right. They pull a picture out because they've moved too. Uh, this this movie has that too. It's like uh overhead drone shot of them moving in with one really small. You all, <laughs> I don't know, smallest trailer you can get from you all. Before they were talking about, uh, you know, being dadless, I'm like, was that that fucking U-Haul and then moving? Dad better be at the new house, like with the other U-Haul. Yeah, with the big one. And, and the moving crew, we're like, yeah, I got all this shit to throw in here, but they're like, yeah. So they move it, like an entire house into with like that one small trailer. But anyway. So they're unpacking, right? Um, they just moved in, and uh, they've got a, like the photograph of his dad and Zach standing together. And Zach goes really like all quiet, like stares off in the distance, and then they're like, "Oh!" And then uh, he leaves. And then Jillian Bell's character is like, "So how's he doing?" It's like, "How do you think he just fucking disassociated for five minutes? How do you think he's doing about it?" You know. You can you can you can you can hear a Vietnam music play like yeah. as he's yeah as he's just airing off like Zach Zach you can just hear like you know 
Fortune Sun Twilight like, Team. You know. Yeah, it, it has those moments of those Hallmark moments of like, uh, really dumb. He's a teenager. Yeah. He'll be okay. No. I'll be okay. I'm going out to find your new dad. <laughs> this vice principal, this vice principal job. You know. Let's say this vice principal job is not going to, you know, be enough. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, the, the movie has those beats of, like, it's, it's again, it's two strikes against it. It's got all that whimsy, and it's got all of that Hallmark-style emotion that um, honestly does take up way too much time of the beginning of the movie because it's probably, it's, it's a good 30 minutes before literally anything involving Goosebumps itself occurs. Like, yes, you do see the next-door neighbor, Jack Black, and basically he's like, do not come over here. Uh, and, nobody's, and nobody's like, oh, that's just Mr. Shivers. He's an asshole. They're <laughs> yeah. like, really? Yeah. The whole neighborhood's like, what's going on over there? Yeah. Ooh, you know, that's just the four, the four people that live on that block, you know. That's just Mr. Shivers. Convict, uh, Arrested, but not convicted twice of domestic assault. Um, yeah, no, they don't care. Everybody minds their own business here. There's a fence involved, so when there's a fence, you just stick to your own side of it. You know, um, very, I say very good uh, uh, depiction of the police in this movie. Hilarious. That's that's John. We, John Saxon would not stand for this in this town. The 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 police is one of the areas where I was talking about that I. I actually thought is is actually funny because it's hilarious when they go over the first time when Zach does call them because he's like, oh, I think there's been a domestic assault uh, with this guy and his daughter, and they go over and they're tr- she's training as a new police officer. And she, she basically start her arrest <laughs> like immediately when they open the door. It's fucking hilarious because it does like even in 2015, very very prescient of how horribly. Uh, staffed the police office is. Um, I mean, no, it's it's great though. Like, uh, reminds me a lot of uh, the one I can't remember who played her, but the cop from Scream Four. Oh yeah, yeah, do, yeah. Do we? But you know, I mean, but it's funny too because they do have like a couple of really good jokes in there. Like, see, it's just my sound system. I'm an audiophile, surround sound. Not arrest. No, no, not that. They don't. They don't say. Yeah, you're a what a file. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> those are definitely the best parts. The the parts that are the most risque that probably should you know Jack Plack could have done a lot more with too. You know, I mean, I think they do a really good job as the police officers. But it, I mean, those are the moments that I really liked out of it because they were genuinely funny instead of like, haha, that's a kid's joke. Funny, you know. Um, you're in big trouble. You're in big trouble for you know calling in a fake police report. Three years in prison. No, it's just a citation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think that those are the times where it really works. Other times, the the comedy just isn't there. Um, yeah, but um, anyway, I think like it takes way too long to actually get to the the goosebumps element to it. it it does a lot of building of like yep here's zach here's his family here's him moving into the community here's his friendship with champ and having a little heart to heart with hannah and um being a fucking the fucking male savior too which is hilarious when it, 
that he sees her uh, and he thinks that she's like screaming so he thinks he's, she's being assaulted and he's just like the heroic music kicks in and he's like just jumps out the fucking window basically <laughs> fucking runs jumps out the window uh, kicks down the door it's pretty hilarious actually but um, it just takes too long to get into the whole uh, element to it which I think leads to the problem being that this film is too long in an hour and 45 minutes it's too it could have been a nice truncated 90 minutes I, I think it just runs um, far too long for what it does especially after you start getting into it and um, I think had the film started maybe 10-15 minutes earlier on its goosebumps spend you wouldn't be so sick of it by the end of the movie where now you're getting like bombarded with like all these references to different goosebumps books like oh yeah there's the fucking invisible boy and there's uh you know attack of the giant mantises and stuff like that um because it is very much like cabin in the woods style thing where it's just like let's just take every single book that we can think of with the goosebumps name on it and just use those characters and then throw them into the crowd somewhere even if you don't actually see them attacking or doing anything specifically if you see them in the crowd, you're like you can you can sit there and be like, oh, I remember that book, I remember that one, uh, and it kind of has the same idea as like a cabin in the woods, where it's like, oh, yeah, I love zombies, like so you got them in here, and you, whoa, no, they're ghouls, yeah, and you got uh, you know werewolves and vampires, they, they're all in here. Um, it has that same dynamic to it, but I feel like because it does start to feel like it's running long, the the amount of um, nostalgia you get from it is lessened because the film just takes too long to get going. Uh, I don't know if you feel that way too, but I just think that it, it really should have been a 90-minute movie. No, it definitely should have. Because yeah. I think the fact that they spend too much time building up a, like an exorcist believer, a bunch of nonsense that you don't care about. Like I don't really... You don't need 30 minutes to exposit upon like he's moved in he's the new kid like you don't need all of that when you finally get to the whole R.L. Stein bit like you find out that Jack Black Mr. Shivers he is R.L. Stein, and then he has all these books and they're locked up under key and it's because if you open them up they release what's in the book because when R.L. Stein writes books they come to life that's a great idea like that is like a terrific idea the the Bare Bones' premise of this movie is a fucking great idea. Arl Stein's your neighbor, and he keeps his books under lock and key because they're not just more than just his imagination. They happen in real life. Until, uh, until, until a little shit, you know, ruins it all. And so, like, that, like, that premise itself is a great idea. And then it kind of, the film is very haphazard and how it's executed because with like some of them like coming out like the whole abominable snowman part's like fun but that's like that also drags on for way too long too that's like 20 minutes long where it should have been like you know a quick little 10 minute jump but the fact that they're going from like the house and then to the hockey rink and they're still dicking around on the hockey rink and he's hiding up in the scoreboard and there's candy and this like you know <laughs> there's just like you know too much bullshit mm-hmm. uh so it's like it's cool to see that you know reference if you've read if you actually read the book like I said the the idea itself I really do commend because I do think on its own 
it's a great idea. I just think it's not executed, you know, in the best way. And the fact that I was saying the fact too that he calls back like to everything is like great. Like you know, is also great too because it's like man, R.L. Stein did write like a lot of like fifty style like sci-fi horror too. Like you know, the Blob, the Mantis, and all this other crap. Not just you know traditional spookiness. So that was really cool to see too. Yeah, I mean, many uh, Twilight Zone episode. And, and honestly, the the film does a really good job of cherry picking the the stuff that from the books. You know, some of the some of the stuff that it grabs are actually not like the main things that you think of when you think of Goosebumps. Uh, so, like, you know, the the giant mantis is not really probably something that I think of when I think of Goosebumps. So it does a really good job of picking out various um, stories that Stein has done in the past, and I really like that about it. But you're right. It just it just takes too long, um, and I do feel like it just I don't know. It loses some steam in trying to set up all of this stuff that really I think is expected because it's also generic, like kid moving in, kid not having a dad, kid falling for the girl next door. It's also it should honestly it would have been more funny and more fitting if it was just like you know all this bullshit we're gonna skip over it basically like you know like put in like a little text box from the book that's like you know what you know this exposition we don't need to go into it and just kind of skip over it um cause it's it's also generic that it really doesn't need to be said for another 30 minutes in this movie um but with that said I do think that Goosebumps is almost like an ego um jerking for R.L. Stein because there's constantly it's always like referencing like oh yeah R.L. Stein, Stein sold 400 million books worldwide R.L. Stein rivals Stephen King and that, there's that funny part where Jack Black's like Steve King wishes he sold as many tell you about Steve King which is I don't I don't think it is though because you know I don't think he I, I say he didn't have anything to do with like the writing so no, no, but it, no, I but it, did but it, no, but no, you're you're right. It is weird for like these seventeen year old kids who have like no don't know shit about R.L. Stein's and pay attention to it since the mid nineties. Like, oh yeah, that R.L. Stein, yeah, you know, he sold what four hundred books. That's not cool. <laughs> yeah, the, like 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 they wouldn't be able to you know pull that out. I know of other ass. Yeah, I, I mean, I I like that it's is you know it's kind of ego stroking and later on we do get to see cameo from R.L. Stein and he's like hello Mr. Stein and Jack Black's like hello Mr. Black you know <laughs> nice little subversion there but um yeah it does feel like ego stroking for R.L. Stein even though like like you said he didn't actually have a hand in writing this or anything like that it's just more so just pointing out like wow I think they did that just to sell more books. They probably like re-released a bunch of them during like that. I same think they actually uh, wrote, and I don't think St- um, R.L. Stein wrote this either. But they did release like Slappy's Revenge because Jack Black says in this is like Slappy's Revenge. That's a, that's a great title. Uh, they did release one called Slappy's Revenge after like as a tie-in to this movie. But um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I like you know I I think that for the most part the the confluence of all of the different creatures in this movie does work pretty well i just wish that it was not so extended um that it did a little bit better job of pacing because you think pacing is an issue in this movie um and that it didn't cater so much to a younger audience because i do 
I think that when it does try to go for more adult humor at times, works really well. Um, it's legitimately funny. It just needed more of that to uh, kind of engage older viewers. Um, what do you think about the CGI? It's a lot of big use of CGI in this movie. But not bad. I think it would speed up pretty good overall. Like the blob looked really good. I mean, the only stupid part about that is like, you know, R.L. Stein's like, I'm sacrificing myself to the blob, and then he gets eaten by the blob. You're like, oh, he's going to be dead. And he's just like sitting in like, you know, like je- jelly like, hurry to finish the story. You know, <clears throat> I think, you know, the no. The gnomes was like the weirdest one. I don't remember the gnome story. I don't think I read that one. So to have like the gnomes like running around wasn't bad, but they look, it looked good by me. And I was like, just kind of weird. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> that the, the gnomes looked good at least. Um, probably the worst one to me is um, the the werewolf and the abominable snowman. Yeah. Um, like the abominable snowman, obviously you can really tell. Uh, this looks like he belongs in Clay Fighter. Yeah. Yeah, and the werewolf, uh, especially when they have, like, the saliva drip on Jack Black's face, um, that one was quite noticeably not as up to snuff. But, like, the, the garden gnomes actually look really well, good. They're, like, very tactile. Um, like, when they're breaking and stuff, like, it looks like it's actual ceramic. It, and getting put back together, it looks real good. Yeah, yeah. That um, Slappy looks good. Yep. You know, I mean, I think it was a mixture of CGI and an actual dummy. Uh, Slappy looked real good. I I loved the Slappy Mobile just because it's like reminded me so much of Christine. Yeah, like it was just it was just missing like you know the Carpenter score like dum dum dum. And uh, what do you think about uh, about the uh, whole Hannah is a monster sort of thing written into the universe? It's okay, but it's stupid. I mean, it makes sense, like, because he's a loner. You can't believe our old side. He's, uh, in this movie, in this world, he's, uh, incel. Uh, so the fact that he would ever have come close to touching anyone's boobs, very, I find that hard to believe. Well, he doesn't so. have time. He's touching a typewriter. Uh, yeah. He's literally he's writing a book every day, so. Yeah, so, like, he doesn't have time to procreate. So the fact that he's got a daughter, you know, that's a lot. Um,. I mean, I'm fine with it, but I mean, it's kind of stupid because it ends with like the whole like power of love. Like, I don't care that she's a ghost. You know, it's like you should care that she's a ghost because she's not real, and, and she's a creation of the of a book of this. So she's you know not real, and that would have been a great little lesson about you know, especially aiming to the kids. Like, this is how you learn to let go. So important to remember to learn to let go. But at the end, because the guy do a Deus Ex Machina, it's like, oh, look who's alive again! Oh, I wrote another book in years. I think you need to know that's coming, because you're just like, why does he just write a fucking book where it's like, she's not a monster? Like, because they're writing the ending. They're saying, send all the monsters back. It's like, well, Hannah's not a monster, so she gets left out of it. Um, but yeah, you're right. I, I think it would have been really kind of meaningful if at the end she did go away, and it's like, yeah... You gotta live with it now because you gotta, you gotta live for the rest of your life now. She's not real, you know, something like that, or like we made her up because she was helpful for us, but she's not real, and we can't like use her in that way. We gotta make real, meaningful relationships. But no, we're gonna rewrite all that and just have her come back. 
And and then later on, you know, he owes he owes her he owes her that dance. Yeah, and then later on, Zach's gonna go over to Stein and be like, "Can you write another book? She gets bigger. Make sure she gets bigger boobs next time." Can you write? Can you write another book where she stopped being such a bitch? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, you know what? You need to take her back. She's. We went to the movies and she wouldn't do the popcorn trick with me. So I'm tired of this. There's no taking it back. He fucking burned that book. There's no taking it back. Which that was funny though. He burns it. He throws it in the trash can. And he's like, oh, you know, he's like kicking it down. Like, oh, 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 Jesus. She should have just burned up. Oh, shit. I just want to know why everyone is getting sucked back into the written, final written book is like getting melted away, but she gets like force ghosted off away. Like, you know, goodbye, you know, it's whimsical and she's a she, monster. Because again, she should have been like, you know, horribly ripped asunder too. Like, you know, just, you know, dragged, you know, dragged to hell basically. Which that was also too, like another part I was thinking about when like Slappy's getting ripped and he's like, I'll see you again later. And it's like, well, if this is a regular movie, he'd be like, I see you in hell, you know. But now. Yep. What, what, so what happened to the, was that the kid at the end uh, that was like uh, in like a brace that got like lifted away by the bug? Yeah, it was. Yeah. The, yeah. See? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got nothing to fear. That's everything. Yeah. No, you'll be okay. Even if your every bone in your body's broken, you'll be okay. It's a Goosebumps movie. You'll be, be fine. Where are you taking me? Oh, am I going to die? You're going to detention. No! We're not detention. They had that Ferris wheel at the end that goes ass over a tea kettle after the blob and the mint is like shoving to it. And they're fine. You know, that. I was astounded. Like, I'm like, if this was Final Destination, these kids would have been dead like 20 minutes in. You don't think that's how physics work? Not at all. All of a sudden, they just, like, create a spinning top that rolls you down. Uh, you know what that did make me think of, though, is that this small town's homeowner's insurance is fucked now. No one is going to be <laughs> shelling out any money for this, this town. It's more fucked than Florida. They would, they would vote. <laughs> they would vote out our old side. Like, you gotta get out of here. My homeowner's insurance, you know, I can't get coverage anymore. Cause, cause... Now quadruple. Yeah. <laughs> like you had what come through your town? A fucking abominable snowman? Yeah. R.L. Stein's goosebumps story is, uh, homeowners burn him alive at this. Yeah, that's that's the adult version of Goosebumps. It's like the after, like it, the, the the Goosebumps adult version is like just takes place after the, all the events of Abominable Snowman of Pasadena, where everything's been destroyed. In the basically the whole book is like chapter after chapter of them contacting different insurance companies and be like, no, no, uh, Abominable Snowman's not in our policy. Even the general won't cover. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the horror. That's the real horror. Um, no, no, you know what the real horror is? Another fucking stupid school dance where apparently everybody in town goes, and the parents too. Are you fucking kidding me? Not why, a, why are all the parents at a, like, a, a, a semi... They've got a professional nightclub DJ? Yeah, like your dad, when he was, you know, DJing our parties in school, wasn't up there like, 
being, you know, fucking like. No, he wasn't spinning discs. No. Skrillex, you know. No. Yeah, I know that. That is funny as well with the. The whole school is there. I love. I love to retreat to the closet. Retreat. <laughs> you know, to the supply. Oh yeah, retreat to the supply rooms. They all gotta run back and. Yeah. I mean, I guess let's let's give the movie a rating because uh, I don't. I think we covered most of my topics that I had. Um, so on a scale of zero to ten, Ken Marino being underutilized. <laughs> what would you give Goosebumps 2015? What, what's he also in? He's been in a bunch of stuff. Um, but I mean, he's he's giving me mean Children's Hospital is uh, one of the big ones that he's in. He was giving me the mean girls uh, feel of the gym teacher. Yeah, you'll have, you'll get if you get you'll get pregnant and you will get AIDS and then you <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, honestly, he's he's pretty pretty good in everything that he's in. So in this one, he definitely gets short, um, short short shrift here. Yeah. So what would you give? Goosebumps. Give it. I give it a six and a half. Um, it's a fun enough movie. It's not offensive. It's definitely watchable. It's a nice, you know, little nostalgia trip. You know, to kind of see all the RL side inventions and creations. Uh, the premise is great. I think the idea of R.L. Stein, you know, living in this world and the books he writes are being kept under lock and key because when he writes, they come to life is a great idea. I just think it's underutilized, not it is underfocused on because we have to deal with teen. I need to get my dick wet drama in a Christian friendly way. And it's kind of annoying. Jack Black, by far, is like the main reason you need to watch this movie, too. Because Jack Black is easily the best part of this movie. He's a lot of fun. As you said, he doesn't get as much to do to be zany as he could have been and should have been. But when he is there, he's great. He's fun and he's engaging. You can't stop looking at him. So, I mean, I think that alone, the premise and nostalgia is worth to watch. But as you said, an hour and 45 minutes, this film is like 10, 15 minutes too long. It's not focused enough. The humor is very hit or miss, sometimes too Disneyified. Um, if you're watching this on your own without kids, it's probably going to be much harder to watch just because it's going to be more taxing. It's a good idea. I just, and I think it's, you know, for the most part, you know, decently done. I just think, you know, it's, it's definitely a missed opportunity. It could have been a lot better and a lot more. Uh, so six and a half out of ten. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, six and a half out of ten for me as well. I think that this is a fun movie when you're watching it. Um, it has a nostalgia factor to it because you can kind of point out all of those different books that the, all the different monsters are from, um, especially if you've you've read them before. It kind of brings back probably some monsters that you haven't even thought of. Uh, things that you were like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that was a Goosebumps book or um, things that just weren't really like prevalent in your head. Um, at the same time, though, I do think that this suffers from like the issue of too Disneyfied, too uh, sometimes immature, not willing to go a little bit darker and deeper with uh, kids' shows, and kids' movies. Um, it's not particularly scary either, which I think is kind of interesting that it doesn't really like even try to be scary, at least at times. Um, 
But other than that, I mean, I think it's enjoyable. It's not something that I really want to come back to that often. I do find that the the length of it is one thing that really puts me off. It's just like, it's just too long. Just, just drags on at times. Um, but in terms of being a good Goosebumps uh, adaptation or um, bringing Goosebumps into another live action movie, I think it does a good job. I think it does, uh, you know it's kind of a unique approach to the Goosebumps um, series and in that it doesn't actually try to adapt in a specific book. It is its own entity and it does its own thing and I think it has a good idea behind it that R.R. Stein created worlds and, and monsters and, and in this case, he literally brought them out and brought them to life. So I think I think it's a really interesting idea um, done fairly well uh, and I think kids will enjoy it. But adults, I think, may find it to be a little bit too taxing sometimes. So, that's why I give it a six and a half. All right, that concludes Halloweenies. Hope you enjoyed uh, all of our episodes on, on Halloween movies and stuff that ties into Halloween. Hope you've been having a good Halloween season. Um, so, real quick. Uh, yeah. Slappy is supposed to be based off of the dummy and the voice, too, from... The 1978 film Magic, which stars Anthony Hopkins and Burgess Meredith and directed by Richard fucking Attenborough. Wow. Score done by uh, Jerry Goldsmith. How the hell have I never heard of this movie before in my life? Don't know it either. No. But that's a really uh, specific thing. Inspiration. (laughs) It's like that particular movie is what inspired Slappy. So I was looking at the Wikipedia for like the slappy and the that's in there and I'm like magic what the hell it says Anthony Hopkins voice was the inspiration for him and I'm like well that's gotta be something that people know and I'm looking at it I'm like there's a bunch of big people on this movie and it's not like it did bad or anything either so it's kind of like how the hell have I never heard of this Richard Attenborough directed a film about a fucking puppet and psychological horror too <laughs> Yeah, that's weird. I did not know that. Interesting tidbit. We're learning something new every day. Yeah. Um. So, I think um, we're probably going to take a one-week break, right? And then come back and do um, Mean Girls. It's time. It's time. We've got... We've already got the beer lined up for it. We've got... We're ready to do Mean Girls. Mean Girls. We can we can tie it into the holiday season as well. It's It's time. It's time to do it going to have fun. Uh, so, yeah, and the Mean Girls will then kind of segue us into probably the Thanksgiving episode and ultimately our holiday Christmas episodes, which we're coming up on again. So um, we will take a one-week break after Halloween and then be back and pretty much be full steam ahead again um, until after the holidays. So it's going to be a good time on Blood Black Rub Podcast. If you're a loyal listener. Well, thanks for listening to Blood and Micron Podcast. Hope you enjoyed our, our Halloween season. Um, we are on pretty much any podcast app that you can think of. We're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Homebase at Anchor.fm, uh, which is now Spotify. You can subscribe to us, leave us a nice review. Um, that always helps us out. We're on Facebook and Twitter. Search for us on there, Blood and Micron Podcast. We have an email address at bloodandmicronpodcast at gmail.com. You can write to us, let us know what you like, what you don't like, what movies you want us to cover. Keep that in consideration. And uh, you can donate to us on our Patreon page or on our uh, Spotify page. 
anything you donate will put back towards beer. So thank you in advance for that. Um, hope to see you back after the Halloween season is over as we cover Mean Girls and tie it into the whole holiday season. Uh, and until then, take care.